Hey folks, I'm here today to tell you about Visible. Something unfortunate about wireless services, what you see isn't always what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. No perception check required. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month, taxes and fees included. If you're looking for a carrier that is upfront with no hidden fees, then go to Visible.com to make the switch. You don't need more than one line of wireless to save, and you're going to be getting unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Visible is the wireless carrier that's constantly operating from a zone of truth. In their quest for total transparency, Visible wants you to know the monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey everybody, welcome to the Dungeon Cast. I'm Will. I'm Brian. This is the podcast where we talk about everything Dungeons and Dragons from yodeling you on tea to yawning yaks. And today we're talking about Yinagu. Hey, Brian. Hey, Will. Talking about demons today. First, let's talk about pronunciation. Okay. It's so, a big topic here on so the Dungeon Cast from what outside I've of the show. Read, you can either pronounce this dude's name as Yinogu or Yunagu, and I tend to say Yunagu. So, I mean, I'm sure I'll bounce back and forth throughout the episode. Yeah. But Yunagu is one of the major demon lords in Dungeons and Dragons. A demon. Yep, he's one of the big ones. So, uh, and more so than any other demon lord, Yunagu hungers for both slaughter and senseless destruction. Um, <laughs> That's what he eats for breakfast. It's what he eats for breakfast. Uh, truly a force of pure, undiluted, chaotic evil, Yunagu takes pleasure in causing fear before death and in sowing sorrow and despair before death and carnage. I love these descriptions. <laughs> Besides this, he's probably most known for his complete dominion over the race of gnolls and his possible responsibility for their creation. Okay. Uh, Yunagu and his gnolls envision a world raised to the ground with naught but gnolls left to fight each other over the corpses of the dead. Cool. You so know, this is kind of like Grumsh, but like... He's way more brutal than Grumsh in a lot of yeah, ways. Yeah, the like, demon lord, because like, Grumsh is a god. Yeah, and Grumsh is about, like, conquest. You know, like, yeah, savagery, destruction, all that's great. But in the end, he just wants the orcs to rule. Right. Like you a, know, like he's more like, risk. we want everything to die, and then when we're done, we'll kill each other over the corpses. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I love that shit. <laughs> he really loves it. So, Yunagu <laughs> is also known as the demon lord of gnolls, the beast of butchery, the ruler of ruin, and the destroyer. All in all, this dude is pretty fucking brutal. Yeah. He likes alliteration. He does. He really does. <laughs> so, Yunagi is depicted as a 12 to 14 foot tall, demonic, gnoll-like monstrosity Ooh. with a grinning skull-like face and a leering pair of burning emerald eyes atop his seemingly emaciated, gaunt, and lanky form. Ooh. 
A mangy crest of fur reaches from his head to mid-back, with the only other hair on his body being small, scabby patches. The rest of his body is pale and gray, with leathery hide contrasting with his dark mane and the crest of blackened spines that grow along his back. Oh, man. Um, his canine-slash-humanoidish body is armored with a patchwork of discarded shields and breastplates, held together with, like, weighty chains. And decorated with the flayed skin of his enemies. What the hell? Yeah. He wields a three-headed flail called the Butcher, which he can summon into his hand at will, although he is just as likely to tear his prey apart with his bare hands before ripping out his throat with his teeth. Mm. <laughs> that's that's going to put me to sleep, Will. I'm hoping I'm painting a good picture here. <laughs> oh, yeah. So in a lot of ways, Yanaga's personality is as straightforward as it gets. He just loves killing. Uh, in a lot of ways, he is a living embodiment of the savage, predatorial instinct to slaughter, devour, and destroy. Okay. It's like his only hobby. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just what he does. I don't know. I uh, tried pogs. Didn't tried work pogs, out. Just didn't do it for me. Just got I couldn't kill anyone. I have to slaughter, devour, and destroy. I, don't, I, um, I can't. The slammers are cool, I guess. <laughs> I do like the slammers. <laughs> He despises civilization in all its forms, including pogs, seeing structured society. <laughs> especially pogs, except for the slammers, especially pogs, but not slammers. There are slammers embedded into the chain patchwork of armor and shields. Fuck yeah, there are. So he despises civilization in all its forms, seeing structured society as both weakness and folly. Uh-huh. Uh, savagery and conquest is all that matters to him. In this way, Yanagu is actually quite similar to his bitter rival, Baphomet. Uh, but while Baphomet despises civilization for its weakness, he also regularly harnesses civilization for its strength, finding a strange but perverse balance between the two. Yanagu, on the other hand, is a purist in his nihilistic ideals. Mm. Were he to conquer other realms, abyssal or otherwise, he would turn them into wastelands of scorched earth. No attempt to rebuild any form of structure or society would ever be made. Such a world would be one of endless combat and brutality where Knowles rule supreme and all other creatures would be either slaves or food. Okay, so just uh, like that that scene in The Lion King where Scar is like singing his song and... They're, oh, in that, like, they're in that, yeah, they're yeah. in that canyon, and it's like, oh my god, just like, I just realized Scar is basically Yanagu. Yeah, yeah, he's the Null <laughs> God. He's the Null God. <laughs> I thought of it. I saved it for this moment because oh, I didn't want to interrupt your holy cool descriptive shit. intro. Yeah, no, you but, just blew my mind. I'm like, <laughs> well, that's I immediately. I was like, well, this guy's got an abyss layer, and it probably looks like the scene in the Lion King. <laughs> sure, absolutely. <laughs> Be prepared, scenes. Now, I found a quote in uh, about Yunagu's like theoretical conquest of the material plane in mm-hmm. a book called Monster Mythology. It was written back in like 1992, and oh, I found I love it re- that year. I found it really interesting because here's the quote: "Ultimately, when the mortal world possessed one final champion, he would challenge them to battle, slay them, and preside victoriously in all uh, victoriously in his version of paradise, a wasteland of decaying corpses in an absolutely ruined world. And just what I find interesting is the way this is phrased makes it seem like Yanagu has literally like daydreamed out the scenario multiple times. He's, yeah. And then one day they're going to send their final champion at me and I'm just going to fuck that dude up. I'm going to fuck him up. He's not going to be ready. <laughs> yeah, he's not going to be ready. <laughs> he's going to have all the best weapons because no one else can have them because there's only one champion exactly. and I'm going to kill him anyway. I'm going to kill him anyway. <laughs> That's great. Be prepared. Be <laughs> Yes, absolutely. That's too much for me, bro. I couldn't handle that. Uh, everything the light touches is our kingdom, but don't go to Inagu's house. No, no, that dude's fucked up. So despite his extremely savage nature, Inagu is not a stupid or mindless being. He's actually a fairly intelligent demon lord, fully capable of both subtlety and trickery. Mm-hmm. He just chooses never to use those abilities. <laughs> I mean, I could. I could do that. I could do that. I could do that if I but wanted. Why? Uh, 
<laughs> he doesn't parlay. To meet with Yunagu is to do battle with him. And when in combat situations, Yunagu does not waste time on tedious and dreary details such as tactics or strategy. Instead, he wades directly into battle, hurls derogatory insults and blasphemies at his enemies. Mm-hmm. These mm-hmm. insults he utters at his opponents are said to actually be dangerous curses that can magically weaken his targets. Oh, extra um, vicious mockeries. They, like the shit he says is so profane, it rocks these people to their fucking soul. <laughs> God, <laughs> that's so hard to role play for I, some reason. Yeah, yeah, because it's an impossibility. He fights with a ferocious blood frenzy that is terrifying to behold. The only time Yunagu ever chooses discourse over savagery is if either he's truly bored or if he's actually truly outmatched. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Is like He probably saves those. He has those skills for a reason. He probably mm-hmm. saves them for when he's beaten. Exactly. So it is said that Yunagu is responsible for the creation of Knolls. Uh, the story goes that long ago, when the Demon Lord forced his way onto the Material Plane, he hunted across the land. And as he unleashed his slaughtery and devastation, packs of hyenas followed in his wake. Those that ate of Great Yunagu's kills were transformed into gnolls, emulating their master's ways. Uh, now gnolls are Yunagu's personal mortal instruments, and he drives them to ever greater atrocities in his name. Now, this is the first bit of lore. That has this theme of corruption and transformation via Yunagu's like influence, like the influence he's just just invokes. being around. There will be more of this transformation style corruption as we move forward. I have a, a big question for you. Yeah. What came first, uh, the Lion King or Yunagu? Yunagu, way first. <laughs> okay, uh, cool. He's in the he's in the first Monster Manual, I believe. Do you think they based Scar? No uh, fucking way. Y- no. A little bit? No. Maybe. Maybe some of the no. flavor, just the flavor, bro. Some of the flavor works, but like Scar's too much of a coward and not a fighter, which is the opposite of what Yunagu is. Well, he probably like you know he summoned these like hyenas mm-hmm. to like it's still a lion, you know. Scar is yeah. more powerful than any one hyena. True, probably. True. Yes, I don't know. Yeah. No one knows. No one Moving knows. on. <laughs> so now, as much as Yunagi wishes to see the prosperity of his children, the Knolls, and their successful conquest across the material plane, he recognizes that due to the lack of his people's unity and their inherent chaotic nature, this will likely never come to pass. <laughs> I wish they were great, but like, <laughs> they're just ah, let's just kill. Yeah. Thus, he actively encourages the conversion of new races into his cult of followers. Oh, so uh, he's not just a Knoll guy. He's an everything no, guy. No, he, he's got more. So counting among the Lord of Savagery's devout are, of course, his hordes of demons, because he's a demon lord. Okay. Um, many groups Groups of human cultists called fangs and strangely enough ghouls like he's a ghoul dude and he's got a lot of ghouls on his side he's a ghoul dude he's a cool dude <laughs> yes absolutely not so, a cool dude actually so one of yunagu's greatest and earliest triumphs was the subjugation of dorisane the king of ghouls hmm. uh dorisane was once a vassal of orcus and be, uh, through orcus the king of ghouls controlled his own entire layer of the abyss Okay. Until Yunagu's army invaded and conquered the lair and its undead ruler. Uh, King Dorisane ends up swearing fealty to Yunagu and continues to pay homage to him to this day. As such, the countless ghouls under the sway and control of Dorisane now serve Yunagu by proxy. Now, it is noteworthy that Orcus has to this day not taken action against Yunagu for the theft of one of his most prominent major subjects, not to mention an entire layer of the abyss. But uh, it's speculated that perhaps Orcus's attention has been elsewhere, or perhaps he's been biding his time and waiting for the perfect revenge. I guess Ooh, that's up to the dungeon master. Nice plot hooks. Indeed. Uh, yeah, <laughs> probably. Orcus a busy dude. Hey, he's a busy dude, but dude, you just lost a whole layer of the abyss. What, you got two, all three them, of those? All like, them ghouls, bro. I know. And you love ghouls. You like, love you're them. super about undead. That's not true. He hates everything. But, like, well, he is about undead. You know, <laughs> maybe, obviously, it's not high on the priority list. I guess not. Um, but you wizards. know what it is? Taking a short rest. (laughs) 
Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify is great. They're taking businesses of all sizes, cradling them in their arms to help them grow by giving them the tools they need. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success at every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dungeoncast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dungeoncast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dungeoncast. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is now what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The Shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. Hello everyone, and welcome to the part of the episode where we're not talking about that last thing, but a new thing. It is my love for the audience of this show. I love you very much. Tell them of your love, William. Um, it is is great. Um, it it is bountiful, and it is plenty. Wonderful, and wonderful. it's for them. It's for them. Yes. 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 Of course. Of course. <laughs> what absolutely wonderful. I love that description. Uh, yes, we love you, and uh, we love when you talk about the show to others. <laughs> it's, true. it's so true. Uh, and we love it so much. It is the the main passage of growth for the dungeon cast. We would like you to do it more and to. I mean, we love every way you support the show. If you're on Patreon, thank you so much. We will start shouting people out again next episode. But for this episode, we want to talk about you talking about the dungeon cast to others that live. They or maybe not. I don't know. Also the undead. If you know any undead that would like the show, please spread the word. Yes. Tell them to, uh, you know, use their cellular data to download the dungeon cast and listen to it. Uh, Tell your friends about the show. That would be lovely to help you. Uh, to help incentivize you to tell others about the show, we would we have something ongoing. Would Indeed. you like to talk about it, William? Yes, I would. So we have an ongoing contest where we're giving away the book Explorer's Guide to Wildemont, um, which is the book that is the it's like the source book for Matt Mercer's homebrew uh, homebrew world. 
where he runs Critical Role. So if you're a big fan of the show, you probably want this book. We and, don't watch your show, but special guest Jake does. And, <laughs> and he do, really likes it. We do respect it, though. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, if you guys want a chance to win this book, which is coming out on March 17th, all you have to do is share a link to the Dungeon Cast on social media and send us proof. Uh, Twitter might be the easiest because you can just put the hashtag Dungeon Cast and I'll find that real quick. Um, but if you're sharing on, on other platforms, which we also highly encourage, just send us a screenshot to show that you did it and we'll go ahead and add you to the list. You can enter many ways. There's special Instagram ways to enter that might not be that special. I still haven't decided. We record <laughs> we record these in batches. Yeah, we do. Uh, anyway, uh, participate. Tell people about the show. And maybe you could be the owner of the new source book from Dungeons & Dragons, incorporating the Critical Role universe into their canon. Indeed. Now, William... Let's return to the show. Let's do it. We've returned. We've returned, and so has my voice. Indeed, and uh, we're talking about Yunagu, the Demon Lord of Knowles. So, (laughs) as I said before... A.K.A. Scar. Indeed. As I said before, Yunagu is not too picky about who he allows to follow him. Any creature capable of embracing the beast within and who exults in killing, butchery, and slaughtery can find a common purpose with this terrifying patron. Uh, most non-Null servants operate alone, performing their obscene rituals in secret, but a group of like-minded lunatics might gather and establish a small cult called the Fang. Ooh. Now, often, though, these groups uh, sort of draw too much attention to themselves since their violent crimes like escalate when they're gathered in groups. Oh, so yeah. They're, they're not especially common. They're probably going out on, like, murder spree. Yeah, basically. Yunagu is known for directing and guiding his cultists via various uh, dreams, visions, and omens. Signs such as blood trails, laughter without sources, winds, and mental messages are some of the more common calls to action that he sends them on. But in truth, his messages are so wide and varied and unpredictable that most are likely false flags or wrong interpretations by his followers. But rather, <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah. But whether sent by their lord or not, followers of Yunagu know exactly what to do. Oh yeah, uh, it's pretty they simple. Per- they perform living sacrifices <laughs> in remote wilderness regions beneath the light of the moon. Uh, they eat the living flesh of their victims raw, and they sacrifice blood to their master. Mm. Uh, they bring back sacrifices to their layers and mutilate them with sharp knives, collect their blood, and consume it with hallucinogenic herbs. Nice. So they're not really doing the fava bean thing too much. No, no. They're just kind of going for it. Yeah, they're going all the way. <laughs> Uh, Taking drugs in the process. Indeed. Yunaga tends to grant his followers the ability to replicate the Null transformation I described in the Null origin story earlier via the, via Dark Ritual. Mm-hmm. He allows his cultists to uh, the power to bestow corpses with abyssal energy and transform uh, hyenas that consume these corpses into Nulls or even demons. Or he, it could also go demon. Hey, there's a super <laughs> Null, right? Yeah, we're gonna, but we're about to get to it. Oh, okay, because the, <laughs> yeah. the ritual kind of reminded me of because we have yes. a Knowles episode. You should we go do. check it out. You it's really check funny. That out, yeah, the powers granted to these followers also includes the ability to raise fallen Knowles as skeletal witherling servants. We oh, talked that's about, fucking cool. We did talk about the Knowles episode, and by granting enchanted flails to his most powerful champions, Yunagu transforms them into what are called flins, which are essentially demonic super Knowles. Now, real quick, describe because uh, the the butcher, right? The mm-hmm. his weapon. Mm-hmm. Can you describe? A flail to me, just to like okay, I have the right so picture your basic in my head. Flail is like a handle with a chain, right. and it, it could be pretty much anything on the end—a ball, a ball with spikes, spiky ball, a bunch of spikes. Because like, you see that with like, isn't there like a paladin art where they've got a flail? Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. I, I think the idea of a flail is that because of the whole chain part, it flails about as you swing. I see. It. So, so he a has three-headed a flail. flail. Yeah. So that's three different chains coming off of exactly. this like handle. Like a, yes. Okay, like a nunchuck, but really evil. Yes. Okay, yes. got it. In fourth edition, I had a warlord who had a triple-headed flail. It was 
dope as fuck. Oh, shout uh, out to Forey. Indeed, shout in out to such Forey. an unexpe- unexpected way. Indeed. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's a flail. Uh-huh. Um, any uh, oh yeah, and any non-Noel followers of his eventually begin to take on Noel-like aspects, becoming like brutal, hunched over, sharp fanged, like tough of fur. Like they cool. start kind of turning into Noel. Animalistic, yeah. Indeed. One of the most terrible of Yunagu's rites is called the corruption of the soul consumed, in which live captives are fed to cackle fiend hyenas. Uh, who then give birth to lesser demons formed from the corrupted souls of those who just got devoured. Yikes. This dude's way too metal for me. <laughs> <laughs> and I love metal. I'm just like, whoa. This guy's hardcore, uh, for indeed. sure. Uh, when it comes to allies, Yunagu has few. Uh, we already mentioned Dorisei and the King of Ghouls. Mm-hmm. Another major vassal under Yunagu's command is a unique demonic entity known as, I hope I say this right, Krokekotek. Krokekotek. Krokek. No, Krokektoek. Krokektoek. Yeah, Krokektoek. It sounds like a Pokemon. Um, (laughs) Krokektoek is is a massive amphibious crocodilian-like demon with a set of massive sharp teeth, greasy fur, and extended legs of a hyena. It it also has multiple tongues and a large bulbous throat that is capable of swallowing and holding many demons in it at once and then subsequently vomiting them back out when he needs to. (laughs) One of my attacks is demon spray. I fire a beam of demons out of my, out of my mouth pocket. Fuck yes, that's badass. Um, but no, it's not really an attack. It's just an ability. So like, can you imagine like a swarm of flying yeah. demons coming out? Like, mm-hmm. um, like God, like like a like an Exorcist movie where like yeah. bugs are like flying out. Yeah, of people? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's terrifying. Uh-huh. So the main use you know who has for this demon is due to its uncanny, uncanny immunity to the effects of river sticks. Did we talk? We talked about river sticks. We talked about the river sticks. It drains your memory and your life force. Kind there's of a whole there's a whole subsect of demons that use the river. The Eugolists are the ones who are like masters of it. Yeah. yeah. Um. But this dude can just fucking take a dip, and he's cool. He's cool. <laughs> he can just pocket a bunch of demons in his mouth pocket yep. and swim down that bad boy. Yes. Infiltration Indeed. missions. Whoa. So that paired with his ability to carry multiple demons at a time makes Krokektoek a sentient fairy for Yunagu's forest, like, forces that can journey between abyssal layers and even across all the lower plains. It's another kind of boat <clears throat> for the River Styx. A secret one. A secret boat that only Yunagu uh, has. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So, are there, is there more than one of these guys? No, there's only the one. Oh shit! So he's it's really fucking big, though. We only have one giant. It's a fucking air uh, airship carrier or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's yep. fucking. Oh my yep. god, that's and awesome! He's the only one who has one. This is the coolest fucking thing ever. <laughs> this that is the best so thing I heard about cool. today. Yeah. So, yeah. so as for enemies, uh, Yunagu has many. Considering that pretty much simply being a living creature makes you his enemy. <clears throat> um, but getting he, ready to say a certain thing. Oh, but he does have a few major rivals. That he focuses his ire on more so than others. The first and foremost among these is Baphomet. Baphomet. <laughs> yeah, hate, as mentioned yeah. earlier. The Hadrian rivalry between the Horn King and the Beast of Butchery is legendary. Hinago's like, you're doing too much science, my man. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> you're not the same as you used to be, bro. Look, I make I make crazy beasts all the time. You don't need science. You, you just need, need to be science. evil. Right, exactly. Um, they, they have warred with each other for as long as either can remember. <clears throat> Unfortunately, neither demon lord can actually recall the origin of their feud. <laughs> <laughs> but regardless, their mutual obsession with each other is apparent as either demon lord leads wave after wave of vast demon armies into battle against each other, their own private blood war of stalemate and attrition. Cool. So moving on. Is that the only rival? Um, you, you said know, many, but... I, I can, said that was first and foremost. So like he has, okay, okay, he has okay. pretty big beef with uh, 
the Queen of Succubi, uh, Malkinthet, because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. she like she fucked up one of his major cults on Earth. Oh, cool. Okay, yeah, on Earth on the material plane, uh-huh. and uh, he basically had this like really prominent like noble family called the Mar Clan or something like that, and they were like they were doing big bad things, and she fucked it all up. So he hates her now. Cool. Yeah. Okay. He also doesn't like Grotz too much, and apparently Grotz uh, manipulates Yunagu to do things he wants. Oh, that's Yunagu's fun. kind of dumb. That's fun. And But it's also said that even if Yunagu knew, like, he likes the things he's doing so much he wouldn't care. Like, <laughs> Yeah, well, that's probably part of the game. Yeah. So, sure. So, yeah. So this is like, okay, so we talk about, we've talked about a lot of demon lords. And, yeah, you know, a the lot of fighting. Yeah, yes. Um, and you basically have, like, two sections, and they're bridged by one entity called Grost. Mm-hmm. So you have the Orcus and Demogorgon Wars. Shout out to Demogorgon! Yeah, there it is. Thank you. <clears throat> and then you have the Baphomet and Yunagu Wars. Uh-huh. And then you have Grost in the middle fucking everybody up with his manipulations. Just doing, every, doing yeah, it all. exactly. Yes. That's exactly right. <laughs> I like Yunagu. <laughs> yeah, Yunagu's fun. Despite a, all a of terrifyingly the horrifying extra life. crazy, horrible stuff. So speaking of which, let's talk about his where he lives. So Yunagu rules over the 400 and 22nd layer of the abyss. He refers to his realm simply as Yunagu's realm. <laughs> but I, <laughs> That's okay. So I'm going to stop you right there. Yeah, sure. I was, I was like, you've given me such a complete picture of this reality TV show that I've started to form in my head and it's going to be called Inagu's realm. Yeah, there we go. So, but, but everyone else calls his layer the death dells. Sure. So the death dells are an abyssal layer covered in barren hills, great ravines, wide savannas with poisonous and parasite filled waters and sickly yellow forests. Um, it serves as Yunagu's own personal hunting grounds where he plays with mortals and demons alike in cruel hunting games. Hmm. Um, I'm about to tell you something that's fucking wild, and so let's just get into it. There I love are, that disclaimer. <laughs> there are no structures in this realm save for one, as, as it is entirely devoid of any form of society or civilization. The only structure in this entire realm is Yunagu's personal lair, an enormous mansion-like yurt the size of an entire city. Do you know what a yurt is? Can you tell me what a yurt is? It's like... Is that Y-U-R-T? It's Y-U-R-T. Yurt. So they're like canvas tent type like huts. Oh, okay. I kind of do know yeah, what a yurt so it's is. A canvas, it's been a while. It's a canvas tent-like hut sprawled out like a mansion the size of a city. Ah, okay. Okay, so, I see. It's got, So it's got like a um, a sloping, like, tri- like triangular yeah, sort of thing go. going yes, on. you got it. Okay. And the ones I'm seeing on the internet are yes. circular. So he has a mansion like, like yurt. Cylindrical. Yeah. Mansion like yurt, size of a city, and the yurt rests atop countless stone rollers and is pulled by thousands of slaves across <laughs> the death belts. Mobile yurt. <laughs> it's a mobile yurt mansion city. <laughs> <laughs> Within the smoke-filled halls of his, of his lair, Yunagu sits upon a throne of dismembered limbs of those who have angered him. So it's a big hunting field, and then there's just a fucking yurt. Yeah, just rolling around the plane. <laughs> I and love he just, it. And he just leaves when he wants and goes hunting. Hell um, yeah. So the Death Dells are a region under constant influence of Yunagu's dark powers. Iron spikes grow out from the ground and... Stone within six miles of Yunagu's lair, which is always fucking moving, uh, which Yunagu can actually actively control and use to impale his victims if he chooses. Oh, wow. Cool. Intelligent beings that spend an hour within his realm risk growing increasingly deranged. Mm. The longer they remain in the Death Dells, the more gnoll-like they become along with mental changes, including increased rage, aching bloodlust, hatred of civilization, uh, especially pogs, the need to collect trophies from <laughs> Not bodies. Not slammers, just, just regular <laughs> just, pogs. Exactly. And a fondness for the flesh of intelligent beings. I can't believe the Monster Manual talks about pogs. It's so crazy, right? <laughs> 
<laughs> Any questions about Yinagu before we start getting into the regional effects and all this other shit? Um, I love the lair effect, uh, like the um, the, the abyssal effect that like they all have their thing. But this one's like kind of enticing you to become one mm-hmm. of Yinagu's people people and like never go back also like you don't want to go back that would be crazy to be like we got to go kill inagu i guess i don't know yeah and and you're you're running down there with your bros maybe inagu's right (laughs) yeah somebody gets impaled by one of these spires like you know what fuck it i'm just gonna stay here yes and you're like wait what don't you want to go and he's like i'm never going back oh no he's like starts picking the flesh so yeah, let's nah. talk about regional effects of Yunagu. Okay. So a, a region containing Yunagu's lair is warped by its magic, creating one or more of the following effects. Within one mile of the lair, large iron spikes grow out of the ground. So we kind of covered that already. Yeah. Um, yeah. Predator- the second effect is predatory beasts within six miles of lair become unusually savage, killing far more than they uh, need uh, for food. Carcasses of prey are left to rot in an unnatural display of wasteful slaughter. So it probably stinks real bad. I was just about to say it probably yeah. smells great. And the last uh, regional effect is, if you know, uh, we kind of talked about this already, but if a humanoid spends at least one hour within one mile of the lair, the creature must succeed a DC 17 wisdom saving throw or descend into a madness determined by the madness of a Yunagu table. Um, let's go and look at the madness of a Yunagu table. You ready for this? <laughs> I love the Yunagu table already. Yeah. So I have to say these as if in the first person. So ah. there are, let me see here, one, two, three, four, five effects. You roll a D100. Basically, every integral of 20 is a new effect. So zero to 20 is, or yeah, yeah, one to 20 is I get caught up in the flow of anger and try to stoke others around me into forming an angry mob. Okay. 21 to 40 is the flesh of other intelligent creatures is delicious. <laughs> Fuck this stupid guy. I don't eat the sm- I only want to eat wizard flesh. <laughs> Wizard's flesh is the best. I love wizard uh, flesh. 40, Inexplicably right now. <laughs> 41 to 60. I rail against the laws and customs of civilization attempting to return to a more primitive time. 61 to 80. Okay. I hunger for the deaths of others and I'm constantly starting fights in the hope of seeing bloodshed. And 81 to 100 is I keep trophies from the bodies I have slain, turning them into adornments. Okay. Those are all very radical changes to like somebody that might be yeah, like, to like not that at all. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Yeah. Like the paladin's on watch and all of a sudden like you're the wizard and you wake up from your rest and like he is your hand is in his mouth. Oh, that's horrible. <laughs> and he's just so like horrible. Oh I'm sorry, man. Oh, yeah, I'm so sorry. <laughs> that was really tasty. Still good. <laughs> <laughs> so uh let's talk about layer effects. So sure. if you actually fight Yunago in his giant yurt, this is what happens. <laughs> Once you make it into the giant yurt, you got some more shit to worry about. So Stinks in here, too. Um, there are three layer actions that can be taken, and all are done on initiative count of 20 if you're in a fight with Yunagu. And so here they are. First action. Yunagu causes an iron spike five feet tall and one inch in diameter to burst from the ground at a point he can see within 100 feet of him. Any creature in that space where the spike emerges must make a DC 24 dexterity saving throw. I was going to say 17 is pretty high 24 for a save, is fucking 24. ungodly. And luckily, it's dex, so uh, like you might have a... An okay? Maybe. You're not going to have a great chance of passing that. No. On a failed save, the creature takes 68 piercing damage and is restrained by being excuse me, impaled on a spike. Assuming him. A creature can use an action to remove itself from the spike, ending the restrained condition. Oh, God. What does that look like? You have to, like, kind of muscle yourself painful, off yeah. of your... Oh. So that's the first uh, action. The second action is each gnoll or hyena that Yanagu can see can use its reaction to move up to its speed. So if you got this dude rolling deep with Flynn's, like, Whoa. they're fucking zipping all over that's the place. That's super strong. Yeah, I really like that. That's wow. Cool. 
and finally, until the next initiative count 20, all gnolls and hyenas within the lair are enraged, causing them to have advantage on melee weapon attack rolls and causing attack rolls to have advantage against them. So they go into like a, what's that called? Move called when you're a barbarian, a reckless attack. Oh, yeah. They go yeah, into yeah. like reckless attack form. Nice. That's cool. That was fun. That's a, those are some fun effects. I like that. This is kind of unique. Yeah. Uh, I mean, compared it. to like lots of stuff we've yeah, talked about, there's, there's some real good flavor here. So let's, I, I got the stat block. Are we ready for that? I'm Are ready for on? the stat block. All right. So Yunagu, huge fiend, demon, chaotic evil. Armor class of 20, um, hit points of 333, speed of 50 feet. He's a quick son of a bitch. <laughs> Strength is 29. That's super high. Dex is 16, constitution 23, intelligence 15. See, he's not a dummy. Wisdom 24 and charisma 15. He's got some good stats. Yeah, like that totally. Is fucking impressive. Um, he resists cold fire and lightning. He is immune to poison. He's immune to bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing of non-magical weapons. Mm-hmm. He is immune to being charmed, exhausted, frightened, or poisoned. Okay. I think all four of those, that's very fitting. Mm-hmm. Like, he's just this inexhaustible, unfearing, inability to be swayed from his bloodlust dude, and also poison doesn't work. He's the perfect hunter. Yeah. He's got true sight 120 feet, uh, telepathy 120 feet, uh, language is all, so I guess that's just a demon lord thing. They can all speak all languages and have telepathy. Um, Yunagu has uh, some innate spellcasting. Ability is based off his charisma. DC is a 17. He gets a plus 9 to hit with his spell attacks. Um, but he can cast Dispel Magic, Fear, and Invisibility three times a day. And he can teleport once a day. All very handy, I think. And all very fitting of, like, him. All very functional on the battlefield in melee. Going invisible, teleporting, causing fear, and dispelling bullshit magic around him. Yeah, what's the teleport range? Um, it's just the spell teleport, which I think is extraordinarily fun. Oh, let's like, look it's it a up. very potent spell. So, yeah, you look that up. I'm going to keep talking. Yeah. Uh, he's got the legendary resistance they all do. So three times a day, Yunagu can uh, f- uh, succeed a failed save. He's got magic resistance, meaning he has advantage on saving throws against spells and other magical effects. Um, Yunagu's weapon attacks are magical. He has the rampage feature. Uh, when Yunagu reduces a creature to zero hit points with a melee attack on his turn, Yunagu can take a bonus action to move up to half his speed and take a make a bite attack. Oh, my God. That's pretty dope. I like that. The movement is off the chain yeah. for all these dudes. I like the idea of, like, Baphomet being, like, this big, buff, strong dude and Yunagu just being this quick son of a bitch. Yeah, like, he's, like, <clears throat> Baphomet is releasing the hounds and, like, there's a, probably just one, he's probably just releasing one giant hound. Yeah, right, exactly. One big buff Yeah, let, let's, Let's see how you fare against my then, latest like, creation. And then Yunagu unleashes like his flind pack, which are all quick and moving around. And the sounds you're probably hearing as that's are going on. Horrifying. Like the, the cries of hyenas are very scary. And yes. when you're surrounded by pack animals, yeah. it's like, and then they're just like zipping around. Yeah, and he can also use the teleport spell. This spell instantly transports you and up to eight willing creatures of your choice that you can see within range or a single object that you can see within range to a destination you select. If you target an object, it must be able to fit entirely inside of your mouth. Just kidding. A 10 foot cube and it can't be held or carried by an unwilling creature so i see th- sorry go ahead no uh you want me to, okay the mm-hmm. destination you choose must be known to you and it must be on the same plane of existence as you so perfect your familiarity with the destination determines whether you arrive there successfully the d the dm rolls a d100 and consults the table so then you have like a an array of different effects uh in terms of like where you end up when you when you teleport mm. like on target off target similar area mishap 
and then the, oh, the so familiar... these are random things that can happen with any teleport, or yeah, apparently. That's so, so the DM has to roll the D one hundred. So, like on a zero to one, if you're on target, uh, the permanent circle associated object, very familiar, seen casually, viewed once, description, false destination. So it's it's based off of how familiar you are with, oh, okay, with the location. So I see this spell being used by Inago in essentially two circumstances. The first one being if whatever he's fighting is trying to get away, he could teleport him and his dudes right back in their way. Yeah. Um, and then if shit's getting too hot, he can teleport himself and his dudes the fuck out. Wow, dude. Yeah. So that's pretty super dope. like you are. You're going to have a really tough time getting away. Like, yeah. Oh, there's, you're not. You're not going to get away. If you're in so much trouble that you start running, you're fucked. I mean, how many times can you dimension door, you know, like yeah. your way out of something Seriously. or you're going to have to teleport <laughs> yourself. Because if you're in, it, realistically, this is like level level 10 plus, 15 plus encounter. Mm-hmm. Like if you're going into the abyss to fight Inagu, mm-hmm. you got to be strong, right? Oh, yeah. Real so strong. you expect this high level stuff going it's on. It's true. So Inagu has a multi-attack where he can make three flail attacks. If an attack hits, he can also cause an additional random effect uh, that you can roll on a table. Um so there's three random effects. Well, first, let's, the flail itself is a plus 16 to hit, 15 foot reach. Uh, it does a D12 plus 9, so not like massive amount of damage, but he does do three of those. And when one of them hits, here are the three effects that can happen. The first is the attack deals an extra 2D12 bludgeoning damage. The second effect is the target must succeed a DC 17 constitution saving throw or be paralyzed by the magical flail. Okay. And the third effect is the target must make a DC 17 wisdom saving throw or be affected by the confusion spell until the start of Yunaga's next turn. Okay. That's really dope. So he's got this like status effect, like weapon. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, yeah. If you get hit by it, you, you yeah. can paralyze you, or it could just fucking devastate you. That's kind of cool because, like, at the upper levels, you got just you could start getting like immune to that sort of right, thing. So he, right. could, he has options here. It's true. And then he has his bite attack, which is 16 to hit, 10 foot reach, 1d10 plus uh, 9 piercing damage. So he's not like he's actually not that damage dealing. He just fucks your shit up so much that like he's going to take you down eventually. Yeah, I mean, he's probably got uh like a fair like horde of enemies to throw at you too yeah, according exactly. to like the way this stats <laughs> block is kind of set up. Right. There's going to be more than Inagu definitely happening, which I, I think in is not always the case when you finally go toe to toe with the demon lord themselves. Yeah, it definitely Inagu seems to act to to operate within a pack. Yeah, a pack animal. Versus a lot of other demon lords which won't probably. Yeah, like you're going to fight all the bad guys leading up to them and right, then like the right. lair is what's going to help the demon lord at the end if it, if it comes to that. Exactly. Um so lastly, he's got some legendary actions. The first one is called charge where he can move up to his speed. The second is called swat away. <laughs> Yanagu makes a flail attack. If the attack hits, the target must succeed a DC 24 strength saving throw or be pushed 15 feet in a straight line away from Yanagu. Um, if the saving throw fails by five or more, the target also falls prone. <clears throat> and lastly, um, he has a, a legendary action called Savage. Uh, Yanagu makes a bite attack against each creature within 10 feet of him. Ooh, nice. A multi-target. That's pretty cool. That's pretty fun. This is one of the f- more fun... Um, Demon Lord stat blocks or stat blocks period that I've read. Yeah, this fight is anime like style. Like yeah. they're they're vanishing and appearing. Like yeah, you yeah. know they're moving they're moving dope. with such quick speed. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. So, any questions about Yunagu before we get ready for a long rest? Speed abuse. I never knew Yunagu was so fast. I know, right? Okay, and no, uh, I think we should get ready for our long rest. All right, let's, let's get ready for that. our long rest. So, we are now in the long rest portion of the show officially, and we have some messages from patrons that we would like to read. We do. Um, we're going to start start with uh, Red Sox for the win, uh, a newer patron. So, thanks for sending in a message to the show. Anybody on Patreon, if you are listening, please send us messages. If you'd like to read them on the show, you can do 
uh, the Dungeon Cast or Super Quest Saga. We're happy to do either one. Um, Indeed. So let's start off with this one. Um, yeah, Red Sox for the win. Over the last year and a half, I've had a lot of stress and bad circumstances happen, from my mother getting cancer to a long-term relationship ending to a car accident. But the oh, D&D man. I play with my friends helps keep me happy and positive. I discovered your guys' podcasts when my character in our campaign found the sort of cast, so I listened to your Vecna episode. Uh, from there on, I've listened to every Dungeon Cast episode from before and after. Thanks. I would <laughs> yeah, thank uh, you. Uh, that's not in the message. Oh. I'm going to not try to not say stuff during the message until it's done. Uh, so people don't get confused. So let me start doing that right now. <laughs> I would listen to it in uh, on, on car rides to the hospital when having to pick up my mom, uh, to just in the car while driving uh, driving to the lab work. Uh, you guys are really fun and knowledgeable. You keep me informed and smiling every time. Always know you make a difference. Happy I could finally become a patron after my Podbean comment a year ago. We do see the Podbean we and do. the SoundCloud comments, despite we when we see, when we get comments on those, they almost explicitly always say that no one's ever going to read it. Right, we do read true. those. We Thank you very those. much. Yes. Um, yeah, and that's from Jordan Wilson. So Thank th- you, Jordan. Thank thanks, you for Jordan. sharing so much. Yeah. Um, I'm glad to hear that we could help in some way uh, with you going through all those terrible things. I'm so sorry. Keep playing D&D and stay strong in there, my, my man. Indeed. You can, you can do this. And thank you again. Um, so we got one more from Jeremy Miller. Okay. Uh, and Jeremy asks, have you guys considered episodes or segments covering Unearthed Arcana mm. as it comes out? And I think that's a great, great <laughs> question to ask. We get, we do we get, do that, get in our, that a lot, yeah. In our comments and on, um, on social media and stuff. Have we considered it? Yes. Yes, we Very have. Very much so, actually. We've, we thought about it heavily. Um, it's, it's not something that we're like super against. It's just, there's so much to cover. It's a slippery slope. And it's a slippery slope of like, What's official, what's not official, and now there's like this whole buildup of Unearthed Arcana. I don't even know what's current and what isn't. Like, it's something we probably will do eventually, but like, I I got episodes planned out to the end of this year already, guys. Like, I got 2020 on lock, and like, I move stuff around here and there, but I'm just trying to get like the more pertinent stuff, the stuff that people want to know. There's so so much we haven't touched on. We have so much untouched official content, yeah, that it would almost kind of be a slap in the face to what we do on the show to to, to right. kind of start breaching into stuff that may or like, may not be official. Exactly. It's like, do I start making room for like un, this unknown quantity and push back? I people keep asking about gem dragons. Like, if I do another Arcana episode, that pushes gem dragons back you know what i mean right it's 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 this give and take and i gotta decide what gets talked about first and part of that is like what also what do i feel about like talking about because sometimes i will move something if like i'm really not feeling a subject one week and i'm just it i can't find myself getting into the research i will swap something because like just for my own sanity yeah we want to try to be excited when we're talking about exactly like some of the things we like are big eye rolls we want to try to like avoid avoid that sort of thing right so with unearth arcana you get into this like messy it might be unbalanced. This may never actually come out, which right. we've seen. So, but it, that being it, said, tough. like it is something that will happen eventually. I can't tell you when. Um, we'll, we'll we'll see. Yeah, it, I mean, uh, as we keep trucking through our uh, episode uh, schedule catalog, pretty mm-hmm. much, we'll eventually start chipping away at some of this stuff. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean. Yeah, that's that's how we feel. But thanks. Thanks for asking. Yeah, uh, thank you. Thank you for your question. If uh, you have specific questions, try to hit us up. We might be able to answer them. But or if you want our opinion on something, feel free yeah, to do that. Absolutely. Um, but with that, let's talk about some other longer stuff. Uh, that's right. it for messages. We're going to go ahead and encourage everyone to check out our live play, our 5e live play, uh, Super Quest Saga, where we here at the Dungeon Guest Center around the table play some Dungeons and Dragons. Um, it takes place in space. It's really sci-fi. Um, it's still really fantasy. It's like this 
sci-fi fantasy space opera and shit's getting wild we're having like galactic threats and and all this other stuff and if you're interested check us out on youtube or check us out on any podcast app that you can uh, download the dungeon cast you can download super quest saga there as well it's true and um, also links in the description yeah uh things is changing on that show things <laughs> is changing it's true always uh yeah so thanks for listening guys and uh we're gonna call it a game we'll talk to you guys later bye Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.